If you seek truth, you will not seek victory by dishonorable means. And if you find truth, you will become invincible. If you find truth, you will become invincible. So what is truth? I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. So today, I wanted to talk about one of the biggest roadblocks to moral compass work. And one of the biggest roadblocks that I have found is the idea of truth. What is it? Is it my truth? Is all of this, this whole podcast, based on my truth? Is it the truth? Is there even such, even such a thing as the truth? Isn't truth based on subjectivity and perception? Well, I have to say, before we dive into it, things have definitely changed for me from the first episode of this podcast until today. And of course, this is normal. Things should have changed or else I would hope that you would question the validity of this information because growth is a lifelong pursuit. When I started this recovery journey so long ago, I knew it was never ending because I really did love learning more about myself and the world around me, even during times of pain. I've come to many conclusions since episode one and I hope to continue to come to even more conclusions to shape and change my mind and grow the way that I view the world after this episode. In the beginning, I knew that self-reflection, observation, honesty, and establishing a core set of values was key to recovery. I knew that I wasn't like everyone else. I knew that I needed to have a moral compass and a structure that would guide my behavior. I knew I needed to make constant efforts to grow and to maintain self-discipline, maintain self-discipline and accountability. I knew that being with Jay was a blessing because I was shown what unconditional love truly was by the way that he acted towards me and treated me. And I was able to accomplish all of those things. I knew I didn't meet criteria for some disorder and also knew I was different. Let me rephrase that. I am different. I'm sensitive, I'm intense, I'm unique. I don't use my feelings to hurt people because I don't listen to the stories that my feelings tell me. And if I find myself walking down that path because I make a mistake and I lose sight of something, I am sure to check in with people who are willing to tell the truth, apologize for my behavior, and make some changes that will preserve love in the relationships in which I find myself. So when I talked about truth in previous episodes, I talked about it in the manner in which I understood it at the time. I said, I believe that truth is black and white and that you either lie or you don't. I just kind of chalked it up to, oh, well, I'm hyperbolic. So I went hyperbolically into truth and truth is black and white and you shouldn't lie because when you lie, you open yourself up to chaos. Now, I still believe all of that. But that kind of explanation exists on a very basic level alone. So for my individual clients who are looking for truth, 
And for people in the recovery stories that were coached by me or are also just looking for truth, it made sense to them. It had context. What I have come to find is that it's more than just Rose says you shouldn't lie and here's a moral compass and it's more than I'm just black and white so I'm going to be black and white into it's a lie or it's truth. It's more than that. So I want to elevate things today. I want you to understand the why behind my perspective on truth so that you can choose what it is you feel, what it is you see and think about truth as well. Remember, no matter what anyone tells you, whether it be me or someone else on a podcast or someone that's counseling or coaching or guiding you, you want to make sure that you check it out, that you study it so that you can learn how to stop feeling and to start thinking for those of you that are in DBT or in that framework so that you can learn to harness that wise mind, which can be very difficult to get to if you don't have a solid perspective on truth. One of the biggest holdups that people have with the moral compass work that I talk about is that it doesn't take into consideration feelings. I do try to take into consideration your feelings when I'm recording this because, guys, I know that this is hard work. And you also have to remember, I know what it was like to feel like so painful that the world was falling down around me because I literally couldn't breathe. And I thought that the only way out of that intense pain was to die or to hurt myself. And it makes me so sad to think that anyone has to go through that. So I came to the conclusion after reading some podcast reviews and answering some emails and having some great discussions with clients that I needed to offer some more explanation to my perception. But before I do that, I need to make some things very clear. To the people who review the podcast only to say that I am victim blaming or that Jay is a narcissist or that Jay is my savior or that I'm not realistic because I don't know how hard this is and you can't quote unquote just pop a lithium and be done with it or that I'm a quote unquote trans transphobic bigot because the individual believes that Jordan Peterson is a transphobic bigot so I must be by association or the plethora of other lies that are being spoken, I need to address them. Yeah. First of all, and I've said this before, Jay is not a narcissist. He's honorable. Honorable men are so few and far between. I mean, it's fascinating that because he speaks in such a way that he wants to protect me by being strong, portraying strength, building walls around me to make sure that I am protected and only giving me emotions and the world around him motions when they're emotions when they're warranted I mean it's mind-blowing that he would be labeled as such but understand that there is no way I would allow someone who lacks empathy to be part of my life after everything I've been through you probably have it twisted because an overly emotional man who reacts to the world around him and uses his reactions to seek power and control is hashtag toxic, right? Insta therapy, yeah? A man who seeks self-control and humility and love and who seeks to protect those he loves by sacrificing himself is not toxic. But that's the truth, right? Not my truth. 
That's the truth. In addition, he's not my savior, guys, okay? I've not assumed his identity. In the beginning, we were in a corrective relationship. So please, if you have a hard time with that, please go ahead and look up um, Dr. Gunderson at McLean University. Uh, they did all kinds of studies on corrective relationships and why they're beneficial. So yeah, he absolutely was my corrective relationship. But I have not assumed his identity for those of you that have commented on that. He does not wear his girly overalls while he gardens and he takes care of his zinnias and his marigolds. Okay, folks, he doesn't do that. That's not his thing. Cool. All right. Second, how on earth could I not know how hard it is to recover from BPD? And why would I victim shame when I myself would be considered a victim? Seriously, come on. In addition, I have never once said that recovery is easy work. Quite the opposite. And really, in which episode did I say that recovery makes you wake up and are normal one day? I want you to find it and send it to me. I said we cannot live in a normal world and expect everyone to bend to our emotional rules. I said we are intense and different and hyperbolic. Ah, okay, now we're getting some truths, right? Number three. The Jordan Peterson clip that was referenced in the recent review is spot on, okay? An adult who tantrums is scary. You yourself know that because when you have a 0 to 60 emotional reaction response behavior and it's over and you look back on the things that happened within that episode, you yourself are scared. Scared of what you're capable of. Scared of how it impacts the people that, that you say you love. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of watching with popcorn, the Amber Heard story, or there was when it was big, right? And, and yet, you'll deny the truth to honor some soapbox that I have now become the target of. So maybe you'll say, well, I'm boycotting Jordan Peterson, so I have to boycott you by association. And then I would say to you, what to what end then, Right? When I was in middle school, I did a report on sweatshops. I'd had no idea that children would work for next to nothing a day in very horrible labor conditions until I was in middle school when I had to research that. And it was very disturbing to me. Of course, I'm passionate, right? So I'm like, I'm not going to buy, I'm not playing soccer. I'm not buying soccer balls. I don't want anything to do with any athletic clothing or equipment organization that employs children in sweatshops. And then it became, well, to what end? Do you know how many organizations do that? A lot. Probably there's probably something on your body right now as you listen or something that you own at the very least that was produced by an individual in poor working conditions. So again, to what end? Do we just pick and choose what we boycott? And isn't the whole argument for wanting recovery, acceptance, validation, see me, see me, look at me, validate my feelings. But then you would take the time to attempt to hurt me and assume that I'm hateful. That's a big assumption. Transphobic bigot. Wow. 
because of one piece of information said by someone that says other things you don't agree with. Hypocrite. Look, I don't care about the reviews. I have so much love for the people that wrote those things because I know that I used to say things like that. I would absolutely do things like that. So I refuse to throw stones in my glass house. Doesn't matter whether I do that today or not. I am not better than anyone at all. I am not, I even feel uncomfortable saying I'm an expert. I'm not. I had an experience and I want to relate it to you guys. I want to share it with you. And I want you all to know the truth. So that's why I say hypocrite. Not in an attacking way, but please, if you are struggling, be willing to look at the flaws and the things that you're saying and find the truth. I have so much love for the people that wrote those things because they're struggling. And it's hard. It's really hard. They're so lost. I hope I send them positive energy. I pray that they will find the truth and that they will find meaning in their lives. I do care about the truth, though, in a big way. And this episode is about the truth, so what better way to begin? The biggest roadblock to moral compass work and to recovery is the denial that there is absolute truth. Without believing in absolute truth, moral compass work is hard and foreign and subject to debate. It's unclear, and it's even punishing. And it's too much for a broken population. So what is absolute truth then? And how can we overcome this roadblock? Well, absolute truth is defined as inflexible reality. It's fixed. It's invariable. It's unalterable facts. For example, it is a fixed, invariable, unalterable fact that there are absolutely no squares no square circles, and there are absolutely no round squares. Right now, I am sitting in a black chair at a table, talking into a microphone with black headphones on. That is an an inflexible reality. That is happening right now. So look around yourself. What is the absolute truth? Look at what's happening in this moment. Where are you sitting? What room are you sitting in? Are you walking? Are you on a trail? What trail are you on? What shoes are you wearing? We could both agree. If you walked here into my office right now, you would look at my chair and you would say you're sitting in a chair. An inflexible reality. Absolute truth is whatever is always valid regardless of parameters or context. We can all agree that the sun will set tonight, right? And we can all agree that the sun rises every morning. That's an absolute truth. It's an inflexible reality. If the nighttime never came, I mean, I I can't even imagine that, right? But we don't think of that. How many of you have gotten out your dictionary, unless you've listened to earlier episodes and you've you, you know you you like the idea of looking up the definitions of words the way that I did in recovery? But how many of you have just kind of woken up and been like, let me look up what's truth? What, is, what does it even mean? Are there different kinds of truth? Have philosophers studied truth? Well, in the beginning of the episode, I had a quote by a, a philosopher, and, 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 and he said that if you find truth, you become invincible. Right? 
So you can study these concepts in the framework and philosophy and perhaps you'll want to because if you don't understand or haven't heard the things I'm saying today, you will need to, especially if you are resistant to choosing and aligning your behaviors with your values. Something like honesty. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people who are like, oh, it's hard, right? But it's not that big of a deal. I just, but I can't tell the truth. So I'll avoid or I'll run away or I'll say something else or, but it'll hurt their feelings. But the truth is gray. It's not. And that's what I believe. It's important that you understand that. That's what I believe. I believe in absolute truth. I do. And I didn't know that because I couldn't put a term to it. So I want to share that with you today, that I believe in absolute truth. I believe that if I sit here and tell you all of the things that you need to do in recovery, but I don't do them, I'm a hypocrite. I believe that. So if that's what absolute truth is, then what other truth is there? Well, there's something called relative truth. Relative truth is what you believe to be true. So relative truth is the idea that what's true for you isn't necessarily what's true for me. You can also think of the pop culture language of my truth. That's not my truth. But here's where things get fuzzy. If you don't believe in absolute truth, then you can rationalize your way out of anything, right? And the moral compass work seems moot. It doesn't matter. There's got to be something else because this isn't working for me. You mean I should be honest even though being honest would not benefit me or may cause a relationship to end? Or how about when BPD emotions get high and you engage in an abusive behavior? But it can't be abusive if truth is relative. Because perhaps you make the argument that my truth is that I have BPD and you shouldn't have triggered me. So I only did that because you did what you did. And you can believe what you want. But my truth is that I'm not abusive. Gets fuzzy, doesn't it? And I think a lot of the battle is battling people who believe in absolute truth and then people who believe in relative truth. I think that's part of it. So I want you to think about what you believe. And maybe this is the first time you've ever contemplated this, right? Maybe this is the first time. And you're thinking, well, but isn't truth relative? Because everyone has different life experiences, right? So how can your truth be my truth if I had different trauma than you? Well, how can... How can you say that I have to be honest when I know that being honest is going to push this person away? That's not my truth. Well, it just poses a problem because when you already have a hard time with social skills and when you're very intense and sensitive and fragile and you can even venture to say broken, if you believe in relative truth and no one will will tell you absolute truth, and no one will help guide you to it, recovery is prolonged. 
I have people come and, and they'll work with me and I, I, it's not that I'm doing anything differently. I just believe in absolute truth. So I believe in, for example, if no matter what a diagnosis is, if, if I've done something to hurt someone, it's wrong. Period. It's, it's just wrong. I believe that, that there are right and wrong ways of acting. And no matter how much someone hurts me, I believe it is wrong for me to retaliate in revenge. And so that is the framework through which I look at things. And, and so I, originally I had said, well, no, actually this is like black and white thinking, right? But it's really just that, you know, I couldn't put language to this. So I believe in absolute truth. So which, which is it, right? I mean, you probably want to, you probably want to know, like, is she right? Is she wrong? Well, first of all, it's a set of beliefs. So you really have to figure that journey out on your own. But I will define the reason why I believe in absolute truth. I'll try my best here. So you have to understand that it's difficult to argue against the existence of absolute truth. It is. And I gave you a concrete example before, right? And actually, I'll give you another one. So I went a, a very long time ago, I was dating someone and I perceived them to have gone off to hang out with their friends and then, you know, maybe go and hook up with someone else. I was young. I was a teenager. Doesn't matter. But to give you a framework of the stage of development that I was in. And so in that perception, I hit zero to 60 over a series, you know, after a period of time, I go zero and then 30, 40, 50, 60, and I'm bam set off. I'm in an episode. Because I believe that emotional story, right? I believe it. That's my truth. My truth is that because this individual engaged in a certain pattern of behavior that I was dating at the time, that they were definitely going to leave me, abandon me, and cheat on me. That was my truth. And in that, I took a key and I scratched up against the side of the, the kid's car. So, when it was over, because it ends, right, I was conveniently able to say, well, I mean, that's, that was my truth. That was what I believed. And when it was refuted, I'm like, well, no, right, because you did this, this, and this. And his response was, but that's wrong. Like, I, first of all, I didn't do that. And even if I did, what you did was wrong. Do you know, do you know the implications of that behavior? And I didn't care. No, like it was subjective, right? I didn't, I don't know if I didn't care, but I didn't know, right? I didn't understand at the time that it was wrong. It didn't matter how I felt. It didn't matter that I thought he was doing these things. What mattered was that it was mean and it was wrong and it would have consequences that I didn't have to handle, right? But it wasn't aligned with my truth because my truth was he was definitely cheating on me and he deserved punishment for that. But here's the thing. <laughs> That's relative truth. It doesn't really matter how I felt. I still had no right to do what I did. And that's where I wanted to, you know, come on the podcast today and give you these distinct distinctions so that you can understand 
that I'm not just coming from this lens of, oh, I'm black and white and my black and white brain and I'm hyperbolic and so I go hard into it. Like that was a good example at the time, but I do, I want to formally apologize because there are some concepts because you're with me on this growth journey that I'm not explaining the background to. So I had to go, I had to find this, right? And here's something that I read. You can't logically argue against the existence of absolute truth. You can't. Because even the situation with keying up the car, if that happened to any of you, right? Like you wouldn't be able to, to argue that that's not a good thing to do, right? That that's wrong, morally wrong, right? And anyway, when you start to argue against something, you're, you're arguing that one truth exists, you cannot argue against absolute truth unless an absolute truth is the basis of your argument, right? Consider some of these arguments. Like, let's talk about some of the arguments that say that, well, there is not just one truth. It's just my truth. And that truth is relative, right? If somebody says, like, and this is something, I mean, that the therapy lens will often say is that there are no absolutes. Well, I mean, if you declare that nothing is absolute, that's an absolute statement. So that statement in and of itself is contradictory. If a statement is true, then it's an absolute. Then there are absolutely absolutes. <laughs> All right. Truth is relative. So, you know, I, especially if you're younger and you're listening to this. You might be have taken a college course on philosophy and you say something like, well, who knows what the truth is, right? Who knows? But as soon as you say something like that, you're declaring that no one knows what the truth is. And then when you say, right, you're turning around and asking the people that are listening to affirm the truth of the thing you said. So... Even if you say something like, well, no one knows what the truth is. Well, then you obviously believe that your statement is true. So again, you really have to think about this whole idea of my truths, your truth, that's not my truth, what absolute truth is, and what the difference is between feeling and feeling like you're justified in something to, to then call it truth, say that relative truth is, is, is real, and figure out why you're not able to do moral compass work and why you keep doing horrible things to the people that you love in an episode. Right? So that's a roadblock for moral compass work. Because if I'm giving, if I'm on this podcast and I believe in absolute truth and I believe that truth is, is you know, an invariable set of, of, of a, it's a fixed reality, then that's how I'm going to be speaking. And I think that's where it comes off at times as harsh, right? Because when you're used to being in a world of relative truth, like, oh, it's okay, Rose. Like, it's totally cool. Key up that car. You're upset. You have a disorder. Your life is hard. You should, you can hurt people. Well, then there, then anything goes, right? If there's no hierarchy of truth or value, then anyone's viewpoint is just as valid as anyone else's viewpoint. We all have our own truth. But it, it only works when it's your perspective, 
Again, back to the car example. What if that were your car that were keyed up? All of a sudden, the absolute truth would become very appealing, right? Because when someone hurts us, we want right and wrong. So let's say you, you have a very difficult time cleaning your room or you don't want to clean your room. Or you are tired or you're depressed and you just can't. Right? And let's say that you are, you know, headed to go over to a friend's house. And you walk in the door and they haven't cleaned their home. Right? And it's just, it's dirty. They give you a plate of food and there's like a dog hair on it. And it hasn't been washed. And the, the food is old. And clearly, like, there's some things. But they're sitting there and they're really happy. They're fine, right? So they don't have a disorder. So why are they serving you that? Why are they doing that? And then maybe you'll judge them in your mind or out loud. Who knows? Maybe you'll leave. Who knows, right? Well, again, here's a great example. Like, your truth is that you don't have to clean your room. But then you change that truth when it comes to other people. But you don't have to do it because your feelings are telling you that you shouldn't have to do it. So it's right. Because it's relative. That's my truth. I don't have to be open-minded. Open-mindedness is another one. I have so many clients who are doing so well and they found the truth and they have this moral compass and they feel content because life is flowing. But then they have people around them who are not open-minded. It makes it difficult. So again, the truth will set you free. If you understand what absolute truth is. And you understand what relative truth is. Our perceptions can be different. Absolutely I can perceive something differently than, differently than you. But we should agree that a lie is a lie, right? Because if we disagree on when something is good versus evil, if we disagree on that, then you can move the goalpost anytime you do something that is evil or bad or wrong. You can keep moving. Well, that's not wrong. I have BPD. Well, that's not wrong. Well, you're victim shaming. Well, that's not wrong. Because, well, X, Y, Z, right? So that is your assignment. If you, if you like to take notes, if you like to, to do homework with this, I want you to start with trying to figure out what do you believe? Do you believe that there is absolute truth? YouTube's pretty awesome, right? You can find anything on there. So go ahead and check that out. And really try to wrap your mind around the difference between my truth versus the truth. Because again, there is absolute absolutely in my perception in the way that I recovered absolute truth so if you're hitting a roadblock listening to the podcast or to these episodes or to the recovery stories perhaps that's a missing link for you and that's okay so dive in dig deep check this out start reading some philosophy also a lot of people want to know about depth so this will help you have depth All right, so if you have any questions, definitely feel free to write in, ask your questions. I'm looking forward to hearing from y'all. Thank you, and stay tuned for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. (music) 
All right, it's time. So the fall marks the next eight-week coaching group. Remember that this is a coaching group that I am running. It is not a therapy group or a counseling group, and it's not a replacement for that. Mindset coaching is goal-oriented. It's future-focused. It's designed for everyone to be on the same team working together towards a common goal. It is an eight-week group. And it starts on Friday, September 30th. You can find out more information on our website at skeetersstrength.com. Click on support groups and you can read about every topic that we're going to be going over. We're going to talk about emotion regulation. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about safety and containment and mentalizing and all the things. So go ahead on and check that out. Fill in that group coping coaching application. And if you've already filled one out, you will be contacted by someone on our team soon. All right, everybody. I'll see you next time. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, if you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD. BPD.